Post. Got it. I'm good to go. Well, I'll just say good evening. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the, um, I'm sorry, Appendix 1, the AA 12 Traditions, and our speaker tonight is Matthew B. Thank you, Matthew. Take it away. Thank you for that. Hi, I am Matthew B. Um, I am a grateful compulsive overeater. Um, and to qualify, um, I've lost 100, over 100 pounds and have been abstinent for the past four plus years, um, one day at a time by the grace of God and the fellowship of um, all of you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, thank you, Matto, Lisa, Kathy, Joanne, Carla, and Claudia for your service tonight. Um, I'm going to start with God. Today, help me set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about my recovery. So may I have an open, clear mind and a new experience with seeing you in all of these things. Please help me live in this moment and in reality to see, hear, and feel the truth. So I'm asked to speak on Appendix 1, which is um, the traditions. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about how I got there. You know, So I, I'm going to start with a, a brief walk through um, my my program today. Uh, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics or compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. I contemplated that. Contemplate for me means to look thoughtfully for a long time at something or to think profoundly and at length. A spiritual awakening. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. I had to meditate on that. Meditation is to deeply focus one's mind for a period of time. To pray for God's knowledge for my will and to have the power to carry that out. Step 10 is a practice I, I believe in, uh, one through nine. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Continue to watch for, I use the uh, acronym SOD roof, a grass-covered roof, for selfishness, dishonesty, resentments, and fears. And everything I say is from my personal opinion. I do not speak for OA as a whole. But for me, these are my character defects. These are the basics of selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment and fear. These are the things that create all those other behaviors. In the AA Big Book on page 84, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. Spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. I have a step 12 prayer. Dear God, my spiritual awakening continues to unfold. The help I have received 
I shall pass on and give to others, both in and out of the fellowship. For this opportunity, I'm grateful. I pray most humbly to continue to walk day by day on the road of spiritual progress. I pray for our inner strength and wisdom to practice the principles in all aspects of my life, in all I say and do. I need you, God. I need my friends, and I need this program in every hour of every day. This is a better way for me to live. I do not remember her name, but I remember in my first year of program, I was hiding in the back of the room with this huge gift of desperation. I was living at a friend's house. My wife was living at um, our house with the kids and the dogs. And and I came in because I wanted the girl back. I don't know why you are here. That's for you to decide. But I remember hiding in the back of the room, like I usually did, trying to be as small, as inconspicuous as I could be, trying to figure all this out. In a new coming meeting, reading the steps, reading the traditions. And one day on a celebration of somebody's birthday, this woman came up to the front of the room. I do not know her name. I wish I did. Maybe she'll hear me someday and remind me. But she introduced herself, you know, after the speaker and said, hi, my name is, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I went, wait, what? And uh, I didn't hear anything else the rest of the night. And when the meeting was over, I walked up to her and I said, I didn't know we could recover. I thought this was uncurable. She said, it's not curable, but you can recover. Come with me. She grabbed my hand. She walked me to the back of the room and she opened up the big book and said, read this, the title page, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism, fourth edition. That's all I needed to know because I was going to learn how they recovered. I was going to do what they did because I wanted what they had. I wanted what they had. In the forward to the first edition, it reads, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly helpless state of mind and body to show other alcoholics, and that's, this is italicized, which is Bill's way of making it bold because they didn't have bold, precisely how we have recovered. This is the main purpose of this book. For them, we hope these pages, us, will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. And then we find at the back of the book, Appendices 1, for those now in its fold, Alcoholics Anonymous has made a difference between misery and sobriety, and often the difference between life and death. AA can, of course, mean just as much to uncounted alcoholics not yet reached. Therefore, no society of men or women ever had a more urgent need to continuously effectiveness and permanent unity. We alcoholics see that we must work together and hang together, else most of us will finally die alone. The 12th edition of Alcoholics Anonymous are, we AA believe, the best answer to our experience has yet given to those ever-urgent questions. How can AA best function and how can AA best stay whole and so survive? I'll stop there. I'm going to go through the traditions in a way that um, somebody did with me 
uh, not too long ago, and, and I've never heard it done this way before. And so I really am looking forward to sharing it with all of you. I'm going to first read this step, which has a step one as a spiritual principle of honesty. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable, unmanageable under my power. The tradition one has a spiritual principle of unity. In the long version, it says, each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to live, or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first, but individual welfare flows close afterwards. This person gave me a filter to apply this principle to my personal life. The filter is what is what I'm saying is what I am about to say or what I am about to do going to create greater separation or greater unity? Unity, the, tr the principle. I contemplated on this and I thought about this and I realized that I have two uncles in another program and it never dawned on me to look for OA for support for my problem. I remember the behaviors of my aunts that struggled with my uncles with their difficulties, the stress on the cousins, how we avoided these guys. I didn't want to hang out with them. It was uncomfortable. I also remember later on, a few years, something changed in their life. It was different. It was better. Both uncles I could now talk to and spend time with. It was awesome at family togethers to see them there. I find myself in this program when I started to be restless, irritable, and discontented with my life, my wife, my work, and the world. I'd become the uncles that nobody wanted to be with. It wasn't easy to talk to people about it, to spend time with people with my problem. I wasn't easy to talk to and spend time with. When I came into OA, I found myself eventually abstinent, but my life was still complicated, a mess. My sponsor said I had monkey brain swinging from one branch to the other, never able to stay in one place for very long. He called me a dry drunk. And then I remembered my uncles. I took this into my step work and discovered the traditions helped me. Second five minutes. Thank you. I didn't hear the first. Good to know. I have step 10 buddies today and a sponsor to share my mess with. I applied a filter to this. Is what I'm about to say and what I'm about to do going to create greater separation or greater unity? In my relationship with my wife, it's the same as in the meetings. It's the same as in a business meeting. It's the same at work. Is what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say going to create greater separation or greater unity? Step two is a spiritual principle of hope. The tradition, the principle is trust. It's funny, in the long version, it's shorter than in the short version. It says, for our group purpose, here is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group's conscience. The filter I was given is in what I'm about to say, in what I'm about to do. Am I speaking or acting like the ultimate authority, or am I speaking and acting like a trusted servant? The step talks about sanity. It talks about 
using a higher power to get us back to being sanity, to thinking healthy. The root of sanity, sanos, means healthy. I wasn't thinking healthy. I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't acting healthy. I needed a higher power. When my car breaks down, my refrigerator breaks, my AC goes down, I seek a higher power that knows how to fix these things. When I came into these rooms, my sponsor had something I didn't know how to access. He had a way of living I didn't understand. He had a connection to a higher power that I wanted to connect with. A number of applying that filter of what I'm about to say and what I'm about to do. Am I speaking as the ultimate authority or as a trusted servant? That has played out in every aspect of my life, including my program, in my meetings, in the business meetings, in the things that I do with the people trying to keep our group together. Step three as a principle of faith, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. And the tradition has the principle of identity. The only requirement for AOA membership is a desire to stop drinking, unconditional, I am, you are, enough. There's no other condition except the desire to stop eating in our program. The filter I was given is, in what I do, in what I say, am I being honorable in a loving, playful, forging, respectful, compassionate, joyful way, regardless of how you are acting on any given day? I'm sitting with a marriage counselor prior to program. I'm having one of my rants. I'm trying to get somebody to understand me, to validate me, to love me, to see me. I want my wife to do those things. And when I'm done with this particular rant, the marriage counselor leans into me. It's just me and her. My wife is not there that day. And she says to me, you do realize, Matthew, nobody owes you shit. This stuff comes up in me. I can be restless, irritable, and discontented. I ask myself three questions. What do I think you're trying to take away from me? What do I think you're not willing to give me? And am I not trusting God will take care of me regardless? I told a mentor one day that my struggles with my wife and I was asked to share what a perfect wife would be. And I described it. And then I was asked, are you the man that deserves that wife? To belong, to be a part of, to trust the group's conscience, to accept life on life's terms, and then know that I am still in God's care. No one must conform to my wishes. We do not have to conform to the wishes of others. We don't have to align with the niche group in the meeting, whether it's real or imagined. Nothing is required, but I am behaving in a way, am I behaving in a way that is honorable, and loving, and playful, foraging, respectful, compassionate, joyful way, regardless of how you are acting around me. Step four as a spiritual principle of courage, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Tradition for the principle of us autonomy. Tradition Five minutes left. 
Thank you. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups in OA or OA as a whole. My home group had a group conscious to bring together several meetings. We attended together regularly during the lockdown. We were meeting nightly and inviting a speaker. Attendees were coming in from all over the states and from outside the states. We had lots of opinions about what we could do and what we couldn't do. We had lots of business meetings and committees formed. We did a lot of research and a lot of legwork. We voted in a chair and a bunch of officers, and we became our own intergroup. It's a struggle, and there's resistance to the traditions. Sometimes there's a bunch of addicts. <laughs> Would you know, we think we are a unique group and special. Truth is, we often find ourselves getting right-sized by each other. Thank you, AA, for seeing how important these principles are in the long term. I would not survive without this program. I find myself being full of fear and taking moral inventories and trying to practice these principles in the business meetings. At home, I want a motorcycle. I want to go on a very expensive fishing trip to Alaska. I don't even know what my wife wants half the time. But do I act autonomously? Because the filter for this step is, in what I do and what I say, am I making unilateral decisions or am I checking in with others? Am I being autonomous only in matters that don't affect me? I have to talk to my wife about the family's needs, and I have to talk to the other members in the business meeting about the business meeting needs. It's what makes all of this work. I won't have time to finish all of the steps, but I do want to say that I'm glad to have had the opportunity to come here tonight and share some of what I've experienced around working the traditions and having these different ways of putting practical practice with these traditions in my life today. We hear the steps saved our life. That's true for me. It not only saved my life, losing the weight, which was a nice side effect, but it saved my relationship with my wife. And I was told the traditions helped me in my relationship with others. And it's true, because without these traditions, I'd probably still be fighting with my wife, and I'd still be upset with things happening in the meetings, and I'd still be mad at everything that's going on in the world. But the primary thing I learned from these traditions, and for me personally as an addict, is that I have to stay on the beam. I can't do what's right, what's fair, and what's just. I have to do love and tolerance. Because if I try to do fair and just, it's all about me. But I can do love and tolerance no matter what you're doing and trust that if my life is in the care of my higher power, well, then yours is too. And that's his job, not mine. Thank you, and I pass.
Amy, you're muted. Did that work? Okay. Thank you so much, Matthew. I really appreciated your share. And I want to just say the meeting is open now for questions or three-minute shares as this is a big book study. Sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, Joanne, would you kindly set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? And if our speaker, Matthew, has asked a question, please allow an additional three minutes for the answer. Okay. Clarissa, you are up first. Oh, Matthew, um, I don't usually share at this meeting. I've been struggling and really working as hard as I can possibly do to get to put down the food and start working with somebody so I can start working with somebody. I am in another program and I've heard the expression, you know, AA teaches us how not to kill ourselves and the traditions teach us not to kill each other. But you brought it to such a soulful and heartfelt level that I'm just, I'm just so grateful for you, for this presentation. I just wanted to share that. Thank you. I would love to hear more. Um, your presentation was incredible. Thank you. Thanks, Clarissa. Jill L, you're not. Hi, everyone. I'm Jill, compulsive eater recovered for today. Um, Matthew, I'm looking for you. There you are. That was so beautifully done. Um, it's the first time I've ever heard the traditions, the steps, and your own personal story so cohesively, like so beautiful. All I was thinking is I'm really, really happy that this is going to be recorded because there was so much there. I couldn't catch it all. Um, it was really just so lovely. And I don't know. It just spoke to me in a different way. And I've been in program since 2002. So you did a beautiful job. Um, just checking through my notes. I, I think actually, um, if I can, I'd like to give my time over to you. If you want to go on to the next step tradition for a couple minutes, I would love that if that's something you would like to do. Thank you. I don't know if that's allowed. Um, I forgot where I left off. You finished four. Okay, so, and I, I just want to preempt. I keep saying that these were given to me, so none of this stuff is my idea. Um, it was another program that I learned this, and um, and I don't want to um, break tradition and talk about that, except to say um, that it was very useful. So I'm glad I can share it here. Step five is a, has a spiritual principle of integrity. Of course, there it is. Um, not taking credit for something that I didn't do. Admitted to God and to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Tradition five has a spiritual principle of the tradition has a spiritual principle of purpose. 
each alcoholic anonymous group ought to be ought to be a spiritual entity having but one primary purpose that they carry its message to the alcoholic or the compulsive behavior who still suffers the filter i have is is what i'm about to say or what i'm about to do loving and tolerating others particularly with my wife it's not hers it's ours it's not a house it's a home it's not my past it's my present i struggle with life before program life was not manageable i didn't know what the different i didn't i'm sorry i didn't know what i didn't know and was often um, at the mercy of my thoughts and my fears my fears and my reactions were coming out of my behavior. I was stuck to the bondage of self. I had unenforceable rules with my wife and the world around me and no way to get you to follow them. I thought I was worth you following them. And then I remembered what my therapist said. I had a purpose and a message, and it was all about me. It was selfish and self-centered. I don't know how much time I have. Do I get a time on this? Three minutes. I want to just talk a little bit about selfish and self-centered because I didn't understand what those words meant. And this was an analogy that, that struck true to me. If I'm walking out of the mall with my phone in my hand, and I'm looking and texting somebody while I'm walking out of the mall, and I'm heading towards the parking lot. I'm self-centered. I'm stuck in myself. And as I walk into the parking lot, I step into the area where the cars go. I don't look up. I'm just walking with my face in my phone, self-centered. And I hear a screech and a horn and a voice that says, what the hell's the matter with you? Aren't you looking where you're going? And I look up in my selfishness and say, what's wrong with you? Didn't you see me walking here? <laughs> That's the response. One of them is actually not harmful to others. The other one often is, or almost always is. So when I'm self-centered, it's all about me. What I do with it is the action. That's the selfishness. Those actions are what always got me in trouble. So these filters help me look at those things. With that, I pass. Thank you, Matthew. Cynthia, you are next. Hi, Matthew P. I always love hearing your shares, and um, I've never heard of a uh, a take on the traditions and the steps as you have done. Um, by the way, I'm Cynthia, uh, recovering compulsive everything. I say that because I can turn anything into a compulsive behavior. Um, it's uh, it's funny that, um, you know, the reading was the appendices with the traditions today because I haven't really studied the traditions very much. Um, so I actually had a question for you. Um, at what point, I mean, I just, I just caught on like about 18 months ago that maybe I should study, you know, the principles of the steps after having studied the steps. Um, so now we have steps, we have principles, we have traditions. At what point or what made you realize that the traditions were also part of your 
road to recovery? And, um, and in answering that question, could you speak specifically on tradition six as well? Thank you, Cynthia. So the step six principle is willingness. Um, were we entirely ready to give to have God remove all these defects of character? Um, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. My opinion. The tradition has the spiritual principle of solidarity. An, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any other facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. The filter I was given was, is what I'm about to say and what I'm about to do, letting money, property, or prestige divert me from or our, my relationships, particularly with my family and my wife. Am I not seeking prestige when I place my needs for income or my, profession, my profession or my desires over my wife? I am a fill-in-the-blank after all. We leave our titles at the door when we come into the rooms. Am I carrying titles in my house and my relationship with my wife? What, what drove every decision I made for the first year of my program was to make sure that I never had to experience the loss of my wife again. And that I could have that relationship meet or match the insane relationship my mother and father had, who stayed married until they died. My wife is my second marriage. I didn't want a third. My wife was also my high school sweetheart. That's what drove every decision I made. Food was never my problem. It was always the solution to all my problems. Of course, when I was restless, irritable, and discontented, I didn't know how to act like an adult. I went to food. It made me feel good. It had an effect. Today, food is not my solution. It, the promise of step 10 is the neutrality. I, I don't look for food, for anything, except to be nutritionally healthy. What I look for is the traditions. What is it I think you're trying to take away from me? What is it you're not trying to give me? And do I trust my God's going to take care of me either way? With that, I pass. Thank you, Matthew. Corian. You are next. Hi, my name is Corianne F. and I'm in Texas. Um, I'm on a walk and I sat down at a bench. I only have one that's not cutting out. Um, thank you. So we lost you Corian. so much for your share, Matthew. You said so many things that one of the biggest was uh, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, no? thank you. Oh, you can hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, so the 
thing I look forward to most, and I've seen it starting to change in my life, is my relationship with my husband. And Matthew, the restoration that you spoke of just really gave me hope. Um, my relationship with him, um, I put it at the bottom. It was at the bottom of the priority list um, throughout my marriage and got worse as I became more and more um, severe in the disease of compulsive overeating. And um, I have seen it begin to be restored as I change. And um, I see how much I tried to control him. And I always thought I knew what was best with our kids. I would make decisions without him. Um, something you said about, am I, um, I wrote it down in notes as I was, but I can't switch over to it, but about um, making unilateral decisions. And that is what I did. And um, just today, I got some really uh, difficult news about it was a fear and I had to share it. I had to walk through and really practice the principles. I'm recently recovered. So um, I got news from our four-year-old's um, neurologist. We recently adopted him and he's just had very severe behaviors. And And I realized when he shared that news about a medication he's recommending, that that is the deepest fear that I had about him, that possibly it could be mental illness. And um, as I, the first thing I wanted to do was fix it. I wanted to text my friend who's a nurse. I wanted to ask my mom who's a special ed teacher. I used to be a special ed teacher and I wanted to fix it. And I felt God say, this is a fear. You need to, you need to walk through it as a 10th step. And, and I asked my sponsor, if she was available and I shared it with her in the freedom I felt in voicing that fear that's been there the whole time, but I've been too afraid to say it was so freeing and um and my first reaction was to fix it but quickly these steps have helped me realize that that's not what I need to do I need to surrender to God and then my husband is also a partner in this like we need to talk about it I don't get to make decisions on my own and so um thank you I I really enjoyed hearing the um what you had to share and uh yeah that's all I can think I'll pass thank you Corian. Leslie G, you are next. Hi, family. It's Leslie. I'm Leslie G. Um, in recovery today. Um, I'm very grateful. Matthew, wow. You know, there's a lot of good shares, but you just said things in the way you said them that I've never heard before. And I'm so, so, so grateful. Um, and I think you already reiterated this. And I was writing down your phone number, so I apologize. Um, but you said basically when someone's bothering you, um, the questions are, what am I afraid that you're taking away from me or not giving me? And am I afraid that God will not give it to me? Is that correct? Am I afraid that God's not going to take care of me either way? Oh, take care of me either way. Thank you. Okay, well, not take care of me either way. So what do you mean like either way? Like that's a great question. So when when we look at the steps we we see that that um in step two, which I think is the most misunderstood step and the step I have to go back to the most to rework is I came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, right? 
if if I'm restored to healthy thinking, healthy behaviors, healthy eating, healthy relationships, the sanity, if I'm restored to those healthy positions, if I'm present in my life, then I can be present for my wife and my kids and all the crazy people around me. You know, so when when the fears crop up, when my resentments and my dishonesty crops up, it's me thinking you're trying to take something away from me. Why are you trying to take this away from me? Or you're not giving me something I want. Why are you not giving this to me? And then I realize the source of everything I have is my higher power. Everything I get is from that higher power. There's nothing not given to me from that higher power. I don't get caught up in the material of it all. You know, somebody once said to me, and it struck so true, and it's an ongoing meditation of mine, God doesn't protect you from anything. God supports you in everything. The act of protecting you takes away your willpower. The act of supporting you lets you choose. This program is the first thing I've ever done where I get to choose who I want to be as a man of dignity and grace. Okay, God, what's next? Okay, 